1: fit for a queen.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Queen. So excited to share that we have Sumner Burks on today, and she is a registered dietitian and eating disorder specialist who's been working as an outpatient counselor with clients on all levels of the disordered eating spectrum for over 10 years. Sumner works current work- currently, currently focus on supporting and educating new and established dietitians with integrating a weight-inclusive approach into their practices and creating resources to improve skills for the identification and treatment of eating disorders. In 2014, Sumner published Savvy Girl, a guide to eating, available now on Amazon. She wrote and published the book in collaboration with the client to provide readers with both the counselor and client perspective. This
1: non-diet living handbook written around the intuitive eating model helps people get away from chronic dieting and learn intuitive eating. Sumner is enthusiastic about disseminating a weight-neutral approach for health and chronic disease management to reduce oppression and stigma for people living in larger bodies. Other special interests include binge eating disorder and intuitive eating in the treatment of disordered eating. Sumner's most formative influencer in the field is the one and only Elise Risch. One of the original intuitive eating pros and co-author of the book intuitive eating elise has been a mentor and friend who has impacted Sumner's work beliefs and counseling style greatly Sumner has studied under the supervision of Elise since 2011. wow
2: welcome Welcome. thank you thank you very much for having me and inviting me to be here um give me the opportunity
0: to to talk to you guys Absolutely. So you and I have a pretty similar background that you also were um, a sports dietitian and still are. But I know you said you've kind of shifted your focus to more educating on health at every size. And Kara and I have had several um, interviews that they've talked about health at every size, but we realized that we really haven't defined it. Uh Um, So can you do that for us? And then tell us why you feel so personally and passionate about this topic? Yes, definitely.
2: Um, So you're right. I drastically shifted my approach to nutrition and nutrition counseling within the first couple years of my career. Um, So I uh, finished my internship and I jumped right into outpatient nutrition counseling. Um, And it was a really pivotal position for me, actually, I was um, had a short stint about six months at a bariatric surgery center, um, which ended up not being a good fit for me at all, because what I found is I wanted much, much more time with clients to help them um, rather than just assessing them for readiness for surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a time when the lap band, if you've heard of the lap band, Maybe yes or no. Oh, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the lap band was super popular. um, Mm -hmm. And I was seeing so many people, like as young as 18. So as soon as they legally Mm -hmm. could come in for assessment, Mm -hmm. coming in to get lap band surgery, um, really primarily for aesthetic goals of weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And it felt incredibly bad to me to be colluding with this idea that they needed an artificial way of... Um, controlling their portions in order to feel better in their bodies. Um, so that experience was incredibly eye-opening to me. Of course, that's like the most weight-centric approach to nutrition right. you could possibly have, but but it really struck me, and it, and it pulled at my heart um, because I could relate to these people that I was talking with about how stressful it is to not be able to lose weight successfully, about the depression that this was causing, Um, and so that was the beginning for me of realizing how pervasive eating disorders are among people, um, who face weight stigma and people who live in higher weight bodies, um, and how that, if I was going to continue to focus on weight loss as a solution, um, it was going to feel terrible for me. And I just knew it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, along that first few years of my career, I did achieve the certified sports specialty dietitian credential. So, I was working with a lot of athletes at different levels. I was also continuing to see. Um, a lot of just adults for outpatient nutrition counseling, but I was learning as I was going, I was starting to really embrace intuitive eating. I also was still healing from disordered eating myself. So it was sort of this whole um, really, really turning upside down of everything that I thought and believed um, over to embracing haze and health at every size. So if you'd like me to kind of jump into the way that I think about Haze and define it, um, would that be helpful? Yeah, oh,
1: please, please do. Again, we've talked about it so much. And I did tell Beck, I'm like, I don't know if we've ever had anyone on that actually talked about it. So yes, please. And that there's
0: actual research to it. I think a lot of people have bought into like, oh, this is just some trend. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the fact that it is. Um, what we might call a trend, you know, body positivity, health at every size, although these things are trending, um, maybe that's maybe that's the doorway into someone starting to learn about Haze. And if that's the case, great, I'm all for it. Um, but if anyone listening does feel like they've just sort of caught on because of the wave of you know, the trend, um, please, you know, pause and and listen and definitely take your time to learn, because this is an entirely different paradigm. And we have to remember that although body positivity feels like a trend, the experiences of people who have lived their lives in larger bodies is not a trend. Mm -hmm. Bodies are not a trend. This is about real, true harm and trauma and oppression that people have been facing for a long, 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 long time. And it's time for us as providers and dietitians to recognize that harm and decide that we're gonna do things a different way so that we don't continue to perpetuate that. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. And and so I like to say that because I want people to know the value of this and that this is not just about saying you're haze or saying you're weight neutral. It's about the harm that's been done. So haze is a way of relating to health, to well-being, and to everyday living. That doesn't assume this dominant narrative that we have that thinner is better. Health at every size it, it acknowledges that health and wellness occur in people at all body sizes across the BMI spectrum. And it also emphasizes that bodies, regardless of weight, should ideally have equal access to health care that centers their well-being, not their weight. So A very common misconception of health at every size is healthy at every size, like a very generalized statement that you can be healthy at any size, which is true, but that's really not what health at every size is about. Health at every size is about um, delivering the same care to people of all body sizes. It's about saying that behaviors are more of what leads a person to health than their body size. Mm -hmm. People can be unhealthy at every size too, Uh you know, Uh you know, diseases and conditions and, and health problems at all sizes, but that's not something that many people are talking about, right? Because it's super glamorous to talk about that weight loss is the golden ticket answer to health. Mm -hmm. And we just, we have to stop and we have to say that is not true and we know that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Behaviors is what gets the person to health, not the the weight loss or the the pursuit of weight loss. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, that. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, and even with that is that health is not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. Um, No one's getting out of this world alive. (laughs) Um, And so also just acknowledging that, that disease or disability, discomfort, these are all parts of normal life, too. So one person is not better than another if they have been able to achieve, you know, better blood pressure for a longer period of time or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, achieve a certain state of health that is not equated to a person's worth. But that belief is almost, you know, almost a way of thinking that we don't even know we've been taught that. Right. It's just like, of course, everyone should be trying to get healthier all the time. But in health at every size, we really reframe this as what do you want? What matters to you? How can I help you? What would you like to be working on?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you do you see that difference there versus the we need to or you should?
0: Mm-hmm. More you know, personalized medicine. Oh
2: yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think that if any of us really stop, I don't think we can argue with the idea that we know that thin people can become unhealthy just like a person at a higher weight, Um, but that when we really stop and untangle and become critical of the research, specifically the research around weight and health outcomes, um, that what we see is that it is behaviors that are likely creating the health benefits not the weight loss. But unfortunately, the research has has been primarily biased in saying that it's sort of looking for that outcome. It's looking for the results to say lower weight equals better health. So it's almost like the studies are flawed. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, they are. And that's what we mean by bias weight bias research. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, it leads us into our, this is our soapbox today. We've been on it for a little (laughs) bit, but why do you feel that our healthcare system still seems to be approaching this um, only healthy at a particular size? Do you you see this changing at all?
2: So there is actually a wonderful paper that was um, published by Esther Ross Bloom. Um, She's out of San Diego. Um, in 2018. And it's called slim chance for permanent weight loss. Mm. Um, And in this paper, Mm. I direct people to this as a resource, because I just I think it's really helpful, makes a lot of really important points. But in there, she outlines the reasons why um, psychologists, doctors, people in general continue to believe permanent weight loss is possible. And so if you'd like, I can go through sort of some of these core points of, you know, Why, if we know all of this about health at every size, we know that weight stigma is is actually worse Mm -hmm. for people than being in a higher weight body. Why do we continue to pursue weight loss? Please do. Yeah. Okay. so she says that humans believe uh, common sense more than they are wired to believe science and calories in versus calories out. Is incredibly logical, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy for people to want to hold on to this equation as if it's true. When I mean, you both know, and I know, we all know that there is a lot more to losing weight than calories in versus mm-hmm. calories out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have to, you'd have to look for that, right? You have to turn to the research and be critical and discern it to to really understand the science that this is more complicated than that. And then she goes on to say that people are greatly affected by the opinions of others and want to be seen as desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we happen to live in a society that has a lot of opinions about mm-hmm. weight and about the way that people look. And, I, you know, I remind everyone and I have to remind myself that doctors and healthcare providers are people too. And they are just as vulnerable, and maybe even more vulnerable, to falling prey to weight-centric thinking and the thin ideal um, than everyone else. And so, I really think healthcare providers have been impacted by this this diet culture as well. And so, it's hard to get people out of that once they're in, mm-hmm. but particularly once they're invested in it as a career. Absolutely, yeah. And then the next point is that people are willing to try almost anything to avoid prejudice, bullying, and discrimination that mm-hmm. comes with higher weight. Mm-hmm. And, and we can't blame people for that, right? So as really? long as we're living in a system and in a society that is oppressing people for their body size, it's going to be very hard to get the masses um, out of living towards trying to achieve you know, lower body weights, because there is true harm that comes and danger that comes with living in a higher weight body from society. Um, And so individually, a person can really um, build resilience and build body respect and self-compassion. And absolutely, people can overcome um, the, the negative outcomes that are faced by society. But again, as a whole, I think people you know, want to avoid, avoid the negative um, criticism that comes with higher weight. Sure. And then, of course, weight loss is still part of the current medical model, which is why um, it's so slow to transform. It's, you know, it's deeply ingrained in uh, insurance reimbursement. It's ingrained in diagnoses, procedures. And then also it's very common to find claims in literature. So in the science that we see, we are always reading non-specific quote, health benefits of weight loss. Although again, once you dig into it and you're critical of that research, you realize the the claims about the health benefits of weight loss are not substantiated. And that's a really important takeaway for, for everyone listening is that um, We need to be more critical of that research. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think we interviewed um, Isabel Fox and Duke, and she made some comment about, does yellow teeth cause lung cancer? Mm. No, but we know that smoking tends to cause yellow teeth and yellow teeth, are, you know, and it was kind of that correlation correlation versus causation, but people don't know how to decipher and read the research. Mm -hmm. Right,
2: exactly, exactly. Well, that's well, a lot of stuff to tackle <laughs> to get
1: the healthcare system to oh. Uh-huh. And and it
2: is. We've got some work to do,
1: and ladies. It's so
0: backwards as dietitians, you know, Medicare now covers for the purpose of obesity in a physician setting, but yet still very poor coverage for eating disorders. Yet we know that dieting is usually associated with about 99% of eating disorders. It's like ay ay ay. Mhm. That's right. So yeah. Well, Summer, on another note, um, you started the EDRD Pro, which I'm a big fan of, and I'm starting to feel overwhelmed because I'm behind on all the great resources. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about why you started that, um, what people can enjoy as a member, and then the big symposium coming up, and be sure to drop who your keynote is you got.
2: Yeah, thank you for asking. So I started EDRD Pro, which stands for Eating Disorder Registered Dietitians and Professionals, um, because I I realized that very few dietitians um, really have the access or the resources to attend these large in-person conferences to get great training. Um, So I I do believe that these conferences are incredibly valuable. And it really is kind of the only place to get to hear and learn from so many leaders in the field all at one time. But I just thought, you know, there's got to be a way where we can bring super high quality, amazing, relevant training um, to anyone everywhere. Because any people everywhere in all corners of the world are doing this work. um, And it doesn't benefit any of us to just have, um, you know, only a certain limited number of people be able to attend these conferences and trainings. Um, So EDRD Pro has um, two main branches. We have our membership branch, which is anyone can join, um, become a member, and every month you get a new continuing education webinar. But you also get access to our entire library of recorded webinars, um, which now we have, I think, 25 and growing every month. Um, and get CEUs for those. We also have a monthly uh, roundtable call, which is our peer professional case consult supervision video chat with a guest expert that's also a lot of fun. Um, And then we have other benefits like um, our members group discussion forum on Facebook. We have weekly emails and all kinds of stuff. Um, And then the other part of EDRD Pro is our annual symposium, which is our annual online conference. If you sign up for this, you do not need to attend or watch anything at any certain time. You actually get access to play and watch the webinars whenever you're ready to sit down and watch them. Um, So again, we've tried to do everything we can to make it really accessible and really easy for people to watch and learn from wherever they are. And we're really excited about the upcoming 2019 symposium. We have a fabulous keynote by Kristen Neff, who's a mm-hmm. researcher um, <laughs> and has published the book both. Self-Compassion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're really, really excited to be offering people the chance to hear from her. Um, and in addition to her, we have 12 other seriously stellar webinars and uh, one of which by you Becca. Um mm-hmm. which I beg to get just on. <laughs> it just me to I mean I <laughs> I learned so much from these and then I get so excited to share them with everyone because it's like I'm I feel like I'm harboring all these like secrets and <laughs> tricks of the trade and then <laughs> we finally get to release them. So So yeah, 13 trainings in all in this year's symposium. We'll hear from Sandra Kronberg, who of course is an amazing Mm -hmm. leader in the field, and a really wonderful talk on food insecurity and eating disorders that I just learned so much from, from Kimmy Singh and Laura Watson um a very um relevant to our conversation today talk by hillary knavy and aaron harrop on atypical anorexia and treating higher weight patients um and just just a ton so i really am excited for everyone
1: Uh, i love the concept of you know just not having getting so much information in one place and not having to do all the travel and you can do yeah, it Yeah, like time. I said I'm I like
0: overloaded it. with my folder to listen. Not that I'm complaining, but I'm just like, "Oh, this looks so good. Oh, wait, I still got this to do." And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I know.
2: Guess. I know, and that's why again, of course, like not to add more pressure to anyone's plate, but it's all downloadable. You know, you can save them, you can watch them multiple times. Um it's all kind of meant to make learning as simple and accessible as possible for people. Um, And so I think we're doing that, and we have just a wonderful group of professionals from all over the world. And it's been amazing the connection that we have in our group and um, getting to introduce all of these speakers um, sort of out into this very specific um, niche group of EDRDs is also really fun to watch.
0: And I like. I wish we could have more of this format. Like, people will listen to a webinar and then they'll post questions, and it's so nice to see non-judgmental comments made back or questions stated. So, like, as you're processing things, you need to be able to, you know, clarify that. And we just had somebody we interviewed where she was talking about how she goes and reads a lot of the background of different cultures different people from different countries so she can understand where they're coming from and i just Mm. really appreciate that opportunity with the private groups and the emails and things Mm. like that we need more of that Mm -hmm.
2: yes yeah i mean and you bring up a great point that i try to really be sensitive to and aware of is you know the learning trajectory when it comes to non-diet approach and haze and eating disorders Um, we're all working from a different place in our learning. And UDRD um, Pro takes it really seriously to uh, have a community that is um, safe and and supportive of that learning process and to stay non-judgmental nonjudgmental and in teaching mode primarily. Yeah. Um, so we work really hard to um, create that kind of learning environment.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll, uh, make sure we let the listeners know how they can kind of access the symposium too and get the word out there about that.
2: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Everything is pretty, you can pretty much find everything about this on edrdpro.com.
1: Edrdpro.com. All right. Sumner, you have been doing a lot of stuff. You've been traveling (laughs) and busy and conferences and this. So how do you live out the fit philosophy? How do you um, balanced performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self.
2: Oh gosh. Is there like a magic answer for how one does this? You nope. Know, <laughs> no, but if you, if you, you find it, let us
1: know. Yeah, we get, we get many different answers. So and um, some people refuse to answer.
2: Like,
0: <laughs> they yeah. <happen>. You <laughs> know,
2: I, I want to be honest with everyone. Please do. Um, I don't always do a very good job at this, um, I I try. I'm very much in sort of been like, uh, I think in the last year, I um, moved, bought a house, had a baby, got married, (laughs) um, added on to my business. I mean, like, you know, major, major things that take out a lot of energy. And so there have been so many times where I just stop and I'm like, I'm not doing a very good job of balancing this here for myself. And Mm -hmm. so being able to pause in those times. And try to make a shift um, in a way that might feel better for me. Um, I kind of consider, I was thinking about this um, this morning, and I think the way that I even think of performance as a, as a word or as a verb now is so different than what it used to mean for me. Um, I have two little kids, and to me, I feel like I'm, I'm on the right track if I'm able to notice what I need, um, Mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, if I'm not whatever resting enough or stretching enough or laughing enough, um, like just being able to be with myself and notice what I need is, is really important for me. Mm -hmm. So I strive to sort of be able to bring myself back in, um, throughout the day and, and check in. And then if I can give myself something that I need. wonderful i'll try to do that and if i can't then i'm sort of in that self-compassion mode of (laughs) let's do the best we can with what we got here
0: Mm -hmm. sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. i love that so being able to connect with what insight you you need at that moment Mm -hmm. is can be self-care in itself or just like okay Something's up and yeah. what
1: can I do about that? Something right.
0: <laughs> and just like okay, yes. I need to
1: remember that and go back to that at some point here, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. We're just kind of running around through the day and just that disconnect between, you know, what we're doing and what our body is telling us. Bye, Queens. Bye. Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit4Queen. Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.